This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast, and I am excited uh, to introduce um, a guy I just love talking football with. Talk, I love talking to him about just about anything, really, um, because he's just an all-around fascinating guy. You hear him on uh, Channel 84 on Sirius XM Radio, Full Ride with Chris Childers, and of course, you see him on CBS as one of their go-to college football analysts. The one and only Rick Neuheisel. Rick, how are you doing? I am great, Chip. You forgot to mention I'm the commissioner of the Fired Football Coaches Golf Association. Oh, how's that going? You didn't give me the proper billing there. Dad gummit, I, I knew I forgot something. <laughs> how is the uh, Fired Coaches Golf Association going? Well, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the only member, uh, but I, I, I make sure to, uh, you know, Wave the flag proudly by playing as often as I can. But, okay. Uh, life well, is good. Life is good. I'm, I'm enjoying uh, my gigs. Uh, I'm enjoying talking football. And what a fascinating time it is in the world of college football with name, image, and likeness around the corner. And, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, issues on the NCAA uh, uh, table with respect to players' rights and, you know, what the heck we're doing with all these stacked airplanes eligibility wise with eligibility not counting during the pandemic and you know what the numbers are going to be it's it's there are more issues to be dealt with today than really at any time in in recent memory yeah i i totally agree and um i, I i'm glad you brought that up because i have a, a theory on that but i want to I think the last time I called you up for an interview was after your son, Jerry, had led UCLA uh, to a win over Texas. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was a good day for the new Hazel clan. I it, promise you that I was working for the Pac-12 network at the time and was sitting in the uh, studios in San Francisco. My wife was at the game uh, and my other sons, uh, Jack and uh, Joe, were also at the game. And she called me at halftime saying, can you believe this? And obviously the finish was uh, just what the new Heisel family ordered. So we have that one uh, locked away in the memory vaults. I guarantee it. Well, and, and now what's Jerry doing? Did I see that he's a GA at UCLA? He just got, he just got his full-time job. Yeah. He, uh, he called me the other day, Chip. Uh, they had just had their first spring practice. So his first official practice as a full-time coach. You know, as a graduate assistant, you're out there holding the blocking pads. Now, as the full-time guy, you're the, you're the voice. He was beaming from ear to ear, uh, having had that experience. So he's in the right profession. This is one of those professions you got you got to love or you got to get out of. Yeah. Because there's there's no in between. You can't be successful if you don't love it. Well, uh, check that box. Uh, Jerry Neuheisel's uh, he's in the right job. 
Well, that's uh, congratulations uh, to Jerry. And I, you know, I went to SMU and your son, Jack, went to SMU. Jack uh, coached with Sonny this last year, uh, and he had the year before at Montana. Uh, we're not quite sure if Jack wants to keep going as a career. Now, in both those uh, opportunities, he was a volunteer. So maybe when a little money gets thrown his way, he might be more interested. But, but right now, still kind of in the throes of deciding. And my youngest son, Joe, is on the Boise State golf team, and he is uh, getting ready to go to regionals. I think they go to Albuquerque, and uh, he's the number two guy on the team, 198th in your college ranking deal. So Joe Neuheisel's figured it all out. He likes to hit it uh, fairways and greens. Wow. Congratulations. Good for you. That is uh, – that's that's good stuff. Um, Well, I – of course, I had to get you to to get your thoughts on, um, you know – everything going on with the Longhorns, your perspective on it. Um, And we'll get there, but I do want to get back to the name, image, and likeness thing just for a second, because, you know, there was a federal judge who said that schools needed to pay the student athletes a $5,000 annual stipend for name, image, and likeness. And then that, that was a federal ruling in the O'Bannon case, but it was, overturned on appeal and i just feel like if the ncaa if the if the schools had gone ahead with that that five thousand dollars stipend if you have 500 student athletes it's 2.5 million it's i mean it's expensive but it feels like we would have never had all these states passing their own laws rick i mean you think they'd like to have that decision again oh my gosh (laughs) I mean, that's, that's like uh, Blockbuster, uh, the video chain stores, you know, turning down Netflix yeah, and offering them, you know, pennies on the dollar. And now look who's laughing at whom. Right. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 unfortunate. But here, here's I, I look at it as a from a positive standpoint. Name, image and likeness is something that should never be taken away from anybody in our country. It's what makes America great is the ability to have an opportunity and capitalize on it. So I have no problem with name, image, and likeness and let the market bear what the market will bear for the Trevor Lawrence's, the Zion Williamson's, the Ricky Williams, the giving you a Texas name. You let those guys profit from it, right? Yep. Uh, that, that's not a problem for me at all. What, what's a problem is when we try to start getting name, image, and likeness in recruiting where now I'm promising this guy that much money, this guy that much money. Because what's going to happen is we're going to create employment rather than scholarships. And employment means we're going to have a reduction in scholarships and we'll go from 85 down to 65 to 70. And we'll, because that's what, you know, the market will bear in terms of how much we can afford. And that'll mean a loss of opportunity for a number of kids. And it'll also mean that you can be terminated. You know, that one of the Jobs are great, but losing jobs is also a reality if you're not performing up to standard. You know, these kids all want more money, and certainly understandably so, but they don't realize what is already being provided for them. You know, the idea of getting an $80,000 check to, you know, to do what they do sounds great until they have to pay their own rent, pay for their own meals, pay for some of the things that go along with that. So I just... 
I, I think we have a very efficient model, especially with the cost of higher education right now. It would be a shame to break it all down and, you know, exclude guys like me who were probably in that 65 to 85 number, you know, and ended up climbing up and making good and getting degrees. Because the one number we're never going to change, Chip, is how many are actually going to get to the NFL. Yep. The NFL is going to, you know, only provide jobs for about 3%. And if we have 3% of the guys going on and getting these great jobs, that means 97% have to go and find a way in another arena. And that's what that education's for, at least as a springboard towards that opportunity. So I like name, image, and likeness to be the, the way for the big timer to capitalize. But I don't think we should be moving in the way of unionizing or creating these as uh, employment opportunities. I think this should be uh, the scholarship model should stay in place and just work with name, image and likeness and not worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be, you know, you got different states passing different laws. And and does that mean it's it's incredible the football states, though, Chip, and how fast they're moving? Yep. Alabama got that law passed in two weeks. Yep. Georgia just did it. So Georgia just did the same thing. Saw that out. No one's going to give anybody an advantage. So th- that can all get done. As soon as it's important enough, it'll get done. Yeah. Uh, talking to Rick Neuheisel here on the flagship podcast. And Rick, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on Steve Sarkeesian, obviously uh, taking over at Texas. You coached at Washington. Um, you're, you know, you know, Sark from his days in the PAC 12, uh, he's a California guy, uh, your thoughts on Steve Sarkeesian taking over for Tom Herman at Texas. Well, I'm happy for Sark. It's, it's a great, uh, road back to, uh, where he belongs, which is, is at it as a head coach. He worked hard for Pete Carroll, uh, was brilliant in his role with Pete Carroll, uh, and earned his, earned a head coaching job, obviously, uh, had some uh, issues that cost him in his opportunity at USC, but he's kind of built himself back up. The job he did for uh, Alabama here over the last few years has been nothing short of genius. A lot of people will say anybody can paint when you have that kind of, uh, uh, you know, materials as he had there, but is still, you know, Rembrandt-esque in terms of how they looked as an offense, the numbers were staggering, but uh, I'm just happy that he's got the chance again. It's a little odd. It's a little odd thinking of my uh, guy, Sark, who's kind of a California beach bum uh, hanging out in Austin, Texas, where he's going to have to learn how to, you know, enjoy Tex-Mex as opposed to, uh, you know, fish tacos. (laughs) uh, I I think that uh, he, this is a program that wants to be at the top. Sark has been at the top. And now it's just a question, can he go and be both CEO and offensive guru? That's the question. Yeah. Well, and how difficult is that? Because, you know, you're an offensive-minded guy, um, and you've been a CEO at big-time programs. Um, it, it's a challenge uh, because, you know, what made him special – is what made him special is the ability to call plays. Yeah. But there are times, you know, when he was at USC, when calling plays uh, cost him the ability to manage the clock. Right. And, yep. and he, and he was calling, he was still in his tempo mode and 
all of a sudden he wasn't letting the time go off the clock. There was an example against Arizona State where Todd Graham's Sun Devils beat him on a Hail Mary on a play that should not even have been possible. All he had to do was take a knee, and he didn't. So those are the kind of things, you know, with all the analysts and stuff that you can have now at your disposal as a coach, he's going to if he's if if he's if he were listening to me he would have somebody that is managing all those head coaching decisions so that he can still keep his mind as the offensive uh you know juggernaut coach yeah you know, he's got Pete Kwiatkowski who's done it on defense he doesn't need to help Pete during the game except as a guy comes on the phones and says hey you need to tell coach Kwiatkowski we need the ball back it doesn't matter if they score here just tell him, you know, go. You know, sometimes a defensive coach needs to hear that stuff. But if an offensive coach is sitting there thinking about what I'm going to do when I get the ball back, you forget to get on the phones and do that. So there's going to be have to be somebody that's thinking as a head coach all day long and getting in Sark's ear so that Sark can stay as the, the Rembrandt of offense. That's a great point. It's a great point. Talking to Rick Neuheisel here on the flagship podcast. And, um, you know, you uh, – I think back to you, you tutored Troy Aikman as a, a GA at UCLA. Is that right? Yeah, Troy, Troy would have been nothing without me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. He, uh, he's a golfer. You, you need to get him out in your uh, fired coaches golf tournament. Yeah, except Troy never got fired. Troy was a oh. golden child, right? Yeah, that's true. He breaks his leg and Barry Switzer sends him on down the road and the rest is history. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, we, we, um, I, I love coaching Troy. And you know what made Troy special is that Troy was one of those guys, and this is something that all young people should aspire to. Rather than just working on things that you're good at, where everybody marvels at how good you are at it, he wanted to work on things that he, that he felt he was deficient. And that ended up being why he was a Hall of Famer, you know, three-time Super Bowl champion, because he wanted to work on the things that he didn't know rather than things that he had already kind of mastered. That's a great, uh, that's a great lesson for every, every person out there who's working on some aspect of something, right? Exactly. Don't, uh, don't keep exactly. doing the things you're good at. Go, go get better at the things you're bad at. Yeah. It, it's incredible how many, you know, Coaches all think we're, we're great teachers because our students look at us and nod, right? We need to know what they don't know. We need to get them on the board and make them draw themselves and do all those things. And in doing that, Troy realized, I don't know this. I want to know it. And he gets, and he, he was not worried about how much time he was spending there. He wasn't leaving until he did have a mastery of it. And that's why uh, he's got a gold jacket. Well, um, you were a quarterback. Steve Sarkeesian was a quarterback. Um, and what, what stands out to you when you talk about Sarkeesian as a play caller and Rembrandt-esque, what stands out to you specifically about the way he calls plays? I think he and Lane Tiffin have a lot of similarities. Uh, and they go about it a little differently than I would. Uh, it's just a philosophical thing. I don't know that there's one thing that's better than the other, but they both kind of sit and, and try to create matchups, which is not novel. I mean, a lot of offensive people are trying to create matchups, but they look for ways to get their best people into space 
and they look for ways to get their quarterbacks to understand you're going from one to two to three, more of what we call progression reads, right? When they are in par down play calls, meaning that the down and distance is either in their favor or at least neutral. When they're in par down, they, they're trying to create matchups. You know, the, go back to Lane Kiffin when he was at uh, Alabama when Amari Cooper had over 100 catches. There was a famous play where Lane Kiffin puts his hands up in the air and it's a touchdown before the ball's even snapped. And all we saw was Amari Cooper coming in motion. Well, Lane Kiffin knew when he was in motion that they were making the adjustment in the secondary that he had envisioned. And he had coached his quarterback on. And what he told the quarterback was, you're going to Amari on this play unless this happens, and then you're checking down. He wasn't reading a coverage, so to speak. He was reading Amari to this. And when he got the adjustment he wanted, there was, that's why he was able to put his hands in the air because he knew the matchup was favorable. And Amari Cooper, in fact, scored a touchdown on the play. Sark has done that. He did it beautifully with Devontae Smith. It resulted in a Heisman Trophy. They are guys that can get the ball to where they want to get it when they're in par-down situations. I was raised in a more of a know what's going on on the other side of the ball. So everything that I was taught was when you see what they're doing and you get confirmation of what their defense is, now I am given the keys to the car to change what I'm doing to accommodate and take advantage of what I've learned from the defense. It's like sitting at a poker table and knowing, okay, they've got, uh, you know, a couple of eights and I'm holding, you know, Kings. Now it's time to go all in so I can change things. I can change the bet, right? That, that is what the way I was taught. They, they teach more of a, I've got this play. If it's not there this time, we'll get it another time and I'm basing it on all my film study, they're playing quarterback through the kid on the field. I was taught, I'm, I'm giving you a play call, but the quarterback has all the license to play, and that's kind of what Joe Burrow did in his magical year at LSU. Yeah, now that's a great, uh, great explanation right there of, uh, of how um, Sark sees it. And, you know, he doesn't have, he doesn't have the – the players that he had at Alabama, obviously, Alabama had what six players go in the first twenty-four picks of the NFL draft, um, and, and, and uh, five of them were offense. Yeah, <laughs> um, he he's not going to have that. So if he's, you know, if he's dealing with talented guys who haven't been coached up or haven't hit, hit their peak or still have potential to get, um, how does that change? how he calls the offense or does it? Well, I don't know that it'll change his approach. Uh, you know, he'll have to determine based on the quality of the defense at Texas, how flamboyant he can be offensively as a head coach. You absolutely have to, you know, play strategically off of each other. You can win with less than spectacular players offensively because your scheme can work right uh, army and navy win every year with lesser athletes because they have triple option sark knows how to create triple option without necessarily being in the wishbone triple option can be rpo it can be rpo with a bubble screen and a slant i mean there's ways to get the ball to people in space 
be a triple, meaning the quarterback's got three different ways to go based on what he sees. And you can do that with, you know, less than first-round talent. You have to have great talent defensively to keep up with the Oklahomas, which is, of course, where Texas is going to be measured. Oklahoma comes back this year with a fabulous team. Spencer Rattler's more experienced. We know Lincoln Riley's prowess as a quarterback, play-caller type of guy. Sark will be uh, in that match, and and that'll be a great storyline for all of us in college football as we analyze uh, the upcoming season. But, but Sark's going to have to have a defense that allows him to be a little bit flamboyant offensively. Otherwise, he's going to have to play, uh, you know, kind of take clock uh, as, as an offensive play caller, which has not been his strength over the years. He likes to go for it. It's that Pete Carroll in him, you know, damn the, por- damn the torpedoes. Yeah, yeah. We saw that in the national championship game against Texas um, yeah. when he went for it with Lendell yeah. White late exactly and and didn't get it um talking to rick neuheisel actually let's take a quick break uh here on the flagship podcast we'll be right back with rick neuheisel ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And, Rick, um, when, when you look at the, uh, you know, the pressure cooker that is Texas, and, and there hasn't been a lot of patience, um, obviously, there's been poor leadership uh, from the administration into the athletic department uh, following Mac Brown's departure, following the departure of DeLost Odds. They had Steve Patterson uh, for 22 months as the athletic director. Um, he hired Charlie Strong and Shaka Smart. They're both gone. Then an interim athletic director hires Tom Herman, now Chris Del Conte, uh, and a unified. Uh, university leadership hires Steve Sarkeesian, um, but it's it's Texas. How much patience, um, you know, if you're advising fans and they're not going to listen, but if if you're advising them, what what's reasonable expectations for Sark in year one? I would say that uh, it's reasonable for Texas fans to be in the Big 12 race every year. There's no reason from a recruiting standpoint that you can't be, especially now that we have pseudo free agency in college football with the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, Texas is always going to be that desirable a location and a place to play as a brand that you should be in that race in the month of November every time. Every time. Now, what has kept Texas from achieving what 
everybody wants who loves the burnt orange has been the inability to create harmony amongst president, athletic, athletic director, head coach, very, very uh, involved alumni. I mean, when you land to play the Texas Longhorns, you see Learjet after, you know, private jet after uh, citation, you name a Gulfstream, they're all out there with the hook'em signs on them, right? Yep. And it's the Texas Air Force. Well, that means that Texas Air Force has Texas influence, which is big. And Mac Brown, the last one to really kind of bring it all together, had that CEO chip in his DNA, right? He had that ability to galvanize all those guys, make them feel like they were close to the program, their voices were being heard, as well as, you know, get a athletic director uh, and president on the same page as to what was best for the football program and the university. And he was willing to listen to their thoughts as well. So that's why that team worked. They're, they failed at see at the end of Mac's career because they were the victims of their own success. They went out there and they recruited after they finished the signing class and have a junior day and then they'd commit everybody. The problem is, you know, as we know with youngsters, they don't all develop at the same time. So they were taking a bunch of guys at the end of a junior year and not waiting to see who was going to be promising at the end of a senior year, like an RG3 or, or – what you know go on down the list right so all of a sudden they weren't getting the best and some would say they were lackadaisical some would say they're lazy what you name whatever you know uh excuse you want to make but that was the end of the mac brown era from then on whether it was charlie or tom that triumvirate of head coach ad president wasn't working and then when you add in the fourth element which is the texas element and then some which is that really really influential list of alums who all you know are part of that texas air force it it just it never never came together and that's what sark has to do he has to understand that it isn't just president and ad as it might be at some places texas alums are part of the program and should be part of the program it's what makes them special, what make them what makes them elite. But it takes somebody with real uh, deaf skill with people to bring them all together into a harmonious force that now is uh, operating in one direction, which is a very powerful direction. Yeah, no, it's a great point. It's a great point. And uh, your perspective as a as a coach who's been at those marquee programs uh, really is 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 invaluable. And. You know, Rick, when you when you look at the Big 12, you mentioned OU, uh, Iowa State has a lot coming back. Texas can't beat TCU. They're two and seven in their last nine against TCU, and they're going to play uh, at TCU the week before the Oklahoma game and then play Oklahoma State in Austin. Oak State's won five of the last six against Texas in Austin. So, the schedule's front loaded. I mean, there's an opener against a 10 and one Louisiana with everyone back, a road trip to Arkansas with everyone back. I mean, it's, it's a front loaded minefield um, for a first year coach trying to break in a new starting quarterback. It is. Uh, but I think when you're talking about 
Let me just talk about the leaders of the offense, Steve Sarkeesian and the leader of the defense, Pete Kwiatkowski, who is a Chris Peterson disciple. I think you're going to be fundamentally sound. Uh, I don't can't sit here on this podcast and tell you I know the talent through and through, but I know you'll be fundamentally sound. So the likelihood of beating yourself in those games is going to be small. And if you don't beat yourself in Big 12 play, you've got a pretty good chance to be successful, especially when you have some difference makers. The running back is a difference maker. Sark's quarterbacks have always developed into difference makers. And if they don't, you'll get somebody out of the portal that is because there's a ton of them in there. Uh, it, it is I, – I, it would be mind-blowing for me to see Steve Sarkeesian's offense not be explosive. Yeah. It would be mind-blowing for me to see Pete Kwiatkowski's defense giving up giant plays. You know, it doesn't mean you're not going to – you're going to win them all, but I think you're going to be in them all, and then it comes down to just fundamentally understanding how to finish games, and that to me is what uh, both of those programs, if you're talking about Alabama and, and Washington under Peterson, both were really good at. And when you look at the Big 12 – and you mentioned Lane Kiffin as a play caller. Some, you know, people look at Lincoln Riley and say he's, he's, you know, maybe the best play caller in, in college. He, he, he is, he's taken the RPO to a new level. See, the RPO used to be all off of uh, zone, you know, like Veer. Uh, but Lincoln has brought it to the gap scheme and real unique stuff. And if that kid, Caleb Williams, I think it's Caleb Williams, the kid out of D.C. that uh, is coming in there, no new quarterback, uh, to give Spencer Rattler a little bit of competition. Yep. If that kid, if that kid's legs are as advertised, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hellfire for defensive coordinators. Yeah, yeah, because he he runs, he will run his quarterbacks. Herman did. Sark doesn't. Right. And, and that, that's something that, uh, is, you know, when you have the, the luxury of the offensive line that Sark, Sark had at, uh, at Alabama and certainly enjoyed with Pete Carroll at, at USC, you don't need to have the quarterback run. But when you have an offensive lineman or two that you have to hide mm-hmm. that aren't the dominant guys that can be exposed to putting, you know, a lot of drop back passing situations then having them run block while you're throwing a pass because the RPO uh, advantage says pass, that to me is just brilliant football. It's what makes college football so fun and why when we get really good offenses, we see, you know, the SEC championship game was a 52-46 game. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's when it gets really good. And by the way, neither one of those guys, Kyle Trask or Mac Jones, is a runner. That's yeah. because the offensive lines do what they were doing and they had great protection schemes and they went after it. But if you don't have that kind of talent, the quarterback's legs are a great equalizer and uh, always should be part of the offense when you have a defensive uh, nemesis that you want to you want to uh, control. That's good stuff right there. Um, this, um, you know, with uh, with. Texas, you know, I've heard people say Sark's going to build this thing to beat Alabama, not just Oklahoma, because Oklahoma's not winning in the college football playoff. When you hear that, and and we've heard 
you know, us reporters on the ground, uh, myself, have heard he wants Texas to be bigger. Um, what does that mean to you? That means he wants them to be Alabama. Yeah. I mean, you just look at Deontay Brown and Alex Leatherwood. I mean, you talk about uh, two, you know, immovable objects. That, those, those guys were giants. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I mean, he wants them to be bigger. He wants them to be maulers. And now you have to, when you can run the ball, because they can move the, the defensive line, which is difficult to do, but there aren't a lot of defensive linemen out there. I call them the gold bullion of college football because they are not growing on trees. They're, they're few and far between. But when Alabama can secure 13 of them, you know, and Clemson can get another 10 and Ohio State takes the other six, everybody else is kind of just scrambling around to see if they can find a 300-pounder. Yeah. But, but, but if Texas can now get in that gold bullion market, then that all, all of a sudden makes them – less apt to have to pressure. You know, I go back to that LSU game with Joe Burrow. That was a cover zero blitz that ended up getting them beat. Yeah. I mean, it was a brilliant game, but, but if you're big up front, you don't have to be in cover zero. Yeah. You, you can get home with your four man pressure and you can cover and Caden Stearns isn't left there, you know, holding the bag. So the, the bottom line is getting those kind of athletes like Alabama like the chosen universities right now, that is how you go to the mountaintop. But before he talks about Alabama, there is that little red uh, menace there in Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah, no doubt. And in Fort Worth, they're three and six against OU in their last nine games and two and seven against TCU. Yeah. Eric Patterson knows how to play defense and he knows how to, you know, parlay advantage uh, when he can get ahead in the turnover game. Texas is just, in, 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 listen, watching Charlie Strong, watching Tom Herman, they both are good coaches, but Texas has got to play cleaner. They yeah. can't turn the ball over as much as they've turned it over over the last uh, several years. Yeah. No, it's great stuff. Um, Rick, I, I could talk to you all day. And, uh, I mean, I wanted to talk to you about um, – you know, being a walk-on yourself at, at UCLA before <laughs> before going on to, to lead the Bruins to a, a Rose Bowl victory over uh, over heavily favored Illinois back in nineteen. 19- now you're going back to you know some. I mean, that was back when the stagecoach was running. <laughs> I mean, that was something that you know, uh, Dick Enberg and Merlin Olson bringing you the action from the Arroyo Seco. I love it. Well, That's right. I got to ask you about Carl Durrell because Texas did play Colorado in the Alamo Bowl um, at the end of last season. And, and Carl's a, a guy who was a receiver for you, right? Carl was so quiet as a, uh, as a freshman and a sophomore. Our lockers were right next to each other because they were all numeric. So Carl wore number eight. I wore number 10. So it was Carl, David Norrie, and then me. And, and David and I didn't hear the guy talk until he was like, you know, spring football of his sophomore year. Uh, and, and Carl, you know, was my first offensive coordinator. When I, when I got the Colorado job, I went into his house. I said, come on, we're going to go do this. Uh, we, we'd gotten some things done uh, in, in, while we were players. And I said, we can get it done while we're coaching. So I'm really happy for Carl. It's fantastic. He's got this opportunity. When we were playing in the Rose Bowl, you mentioned that game against Illinois. 
I called a play. We're down around the 15-yard line, second and four, something like that, and we're going to get to throw a pass. And his, his route was a post on the play. And he looks at me as he's breaking the huddle chip, and he says, I'm running a post-corner post, and then just turns his back and runs out there. And I'm sitting there going, well, that didn't give me a lot of chance to veto that. <laughs> and, and I look out there, and it was Keith Taylor, the, the freshman corner. And Carl had already ascertained he had, a, he had a guy that he could handle out there. And he put a little move on him. I let go of the ball. And uh, that was the first of two touchdowns that day for Carl Durrell. So he's been a coordinator for a long time. I love it. I love it. Well, it's uh, it's great to catch up with you, my friend. Anything else that you think is important for Texas fans to to contemplate as they now have to sit through the summer and, and fall camp? Texas needs to just relax and let this happen. You've got a great athletic director in Chris Conte. you got a great head coach in uh, Steve Sarkeesian who knows what he's doing. Your defensive coordinator is impeccable. I mean, I tried to hire him at UCLA, and he knew I didn't have enough players, so he said no. But he, I am telling you, you got what you need. Now just give them your support, and you will get yourselves to this college football uh, holy grail, the playoff, because college football needs Texas to be good, to be at its very best. So wishing everybody the very, very best in burn orange. Well, it's, uh, it's been great chatting uh, with you, Rick. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and so uh, make sure you catch Rick Neuheisel on uh, Sirius XM Radio, Channel 84, Full Ride, uh, weekdays with Chris Childers. Yeah, I just carry the bag for Childers. Just, yeah, I just carry hey, the bag for that whack job. That's listen, he is, he is a goofball, and, uh, <laughs> and thank God you're on that show because you're, you're the perfect one to kind of keep him in check. Perfect shill is what well, I mean. Perfect you're, exactly. you're a good man. And, uh, and then, the best, and then you work with our man, Brian Jones, uh, on CBS. DJ, hook him. I, I promise you, if there's a, if there's a more loyal Texas Longhorn, I don't know him. I love DJ it. DJ loves him. Absolutely I, loves him. Sitting next to him, I need earplugs when the, when the Longhorns are playing because he goes absolutely nuts. <laughs> Oh, it's great stuff. Um, th- thanks again so much to, uh, to Rick Neuheisel. And uh, for Rick Neuheisel, I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the flagship podcast interview. Until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.